Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we are going to be previewing the late slate of college football games on Saturday, the 7 p.m. slate more specifically, and we're going to be taking a look at players that you want to put in your DFS lineups and maybe you want to stay away from in your DFS lineups Saturday night. This is the last of the weekly podcast episodes this week. We've got a full week of content on the podcast feed, so if you missed any of them, check them out. Monday was the NFL recap, which we call Stockwatch. Tuesday was a preview of the PGA Tour Golf Tournament, the Fortnite Championship this week. Wednesday was the college football preview for the early Saturday games. Yesterday was our NFL Week 2 preview, which we call Buy or Sell. And then we end it today with previewing the late college football games on Saturday night. Like I said, full week of content. All the episodes are no more than 25 minutes. They're all quick listens. Give them a shot if you plan on playing any golf, football, college or pro, DFS, or season-long fantasy this week. Lastly, if you do want any of my premium articles or lineups, they are available on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. I promise it is well worth your time and investment. All right, let's get a quick word from our friends at Anchor, and then let's talk about some Saturday night college football. Before we get started, I do want to apologize for my voice. It's not where it usually is. You know, um... I am a teacher and a coach in my day job. Last night had a very long JV football game where I did a lot of yelling. So the voice is not quite there where it always is. I think the audio still turns out pretty good, but I know I I sound like I'm sick. I'm really not. I'm not quite on Chris Collinsworth's status, but it doesn't sound as good as it usually does. So apologies going in, but I hope you guys enjoy anyway. Let's jump right into the picks with analyzing the quarterback position. So in my personal opinion, this is the night where In all of my lineups, I'm going to be playing one of the top five quarterbacks. It's up to you to decide which one. I think they all have their merits, but I think they all belong in lineups. And if you're going with a quarterback in your super flex, it's going to be really hard to squeeze two of them in. So we got some value plays at the bottom of the list that we're recommending as well. First, the top guy on the board is C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. In my opinion, he has the highest floor of any quarterback. We know how explosive he is. We know how explosive that off Ohio State offense is. And so we know that Ohio State's going to put up points. We know that they're going to be doing it with C.J. Stroud. Uh, and Ohio State also has the highest implied team total on the slate. So we know that they're going to put up at least 40, maybe even 50 or more points. And so C.J. Stroud is just a safe pick. Yes, he's very highly priced, but you're paying for the floor with C.J. Stroud. Now, the SMU-Maryland game is going to be interesting, and it makes both Talia Tagovailoa and Tanner Mordecai elite options this week. The over-under in this game is 73.5. That's wild. That's the highest that I have seen this season, and that kind of harkens back to like the mid-2010s Big 12 where you had Texas Tech and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State just slinging around all over the yard, and over-unders in those games were like in the 80s. But this one's in like 73.5, and that's kind of crazy. Like I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen one this year that's that high. Now, of the two of them, I prefer Mordecai. I think that SMU generally, when they're scoring a lot of points, they're doing it more through the air. Maryland has a potential to take a little bit away on the ground. If you played Talia Tagovailoa in week one, Maryland scored 31 points against Buffalo, but he didn't get all the touchdowns. There were a few of them that went to running backs. So I think the SMU with that offense and Tanner Mordecai, Great pick this week if you want to play Mordecai. Now, Anthony Richardson of Florida, a.k.a. AR-15, which is one of the the worst nicknames in sports, but I digress. He has a lot of upside because of his running. He probably has the highest ceiling out of anybody because there's just an off chance that he'll run for 200 yards and three touchdowns because he is that elite of an athlete. 
South Florida, who's Florida's opponents this week, they are not Kentucky on defense. They are not as good as Kentucky was last week, so don't let the box score last week scare you away. And I also think that Anthony Richardson is the one quarterback that I wouldn't need to stack with because he does so much running the ball. You don't really need to stack anybody with Anthony Richardson. Just playing Anthony Richardson is enough. Now, the last of the top five quarterbacks is Donovan Smith of Texas Tech. Now, Donovan Smith came into the season as Texas Tech's backup to Tyler Shue, who is injured, and he did not get the backup QB treatment in week two. You know, it wasn't one of those conservative, oh, we'll run the ball, we'll give him some short passes, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we kind of hide his skill set. No, they threw it 57 times in week two. So Texas Tech is treating him like a starter. They're going to throw it all over the yard. Now, this NC State defense is pretty dang good, and, you know, it's a lot better than Houston's last week, but... I still think that their volume is there, and even if they're trailing in this game, he's still going to be throwing the football. So, Donovan Smith, the last of the top five options, is also a solid play this week. Now, let's go over a few values. So, the first one that I see is Hudson Card. So, Hudson Card of Texas is getting the start this week over injured Quinn Ewers. And, you know, he didn't look great against Alabama last week, but it was Alabama, like Texas San Antonio is not Alabama. So the Texas San Antonio defense so far is giving up an average of 36 points per game. So if you think that Texas is going to continue that trend, which I do, then that means that Card is going to be able to account for at least some touchdowns and some yards through the air. Michael Penix Jr. of Washington. Look, I was high on him week one. I'm going to continue to be high on him. I think that this is kind of a... Um, a comeback season for him after his disappointing 2021 and his breakout 2020. So he served us well in week one when we went to him, and I think he'll serve us well this week. This is not like the old school Michigan State on defense. Like they're not a great defensive team. I'm not scared to play a quarterback against them. And Michael Penix is a dual threat. He can do it with both his arm and his legs. Frank Harris of Texas San Antonio. Um, so He's going to sling it around no matter what the score is, and that's been indicative of their first two games. You know, they play in a very up-tempo offense where they throw it all over the yard, and, you know, he's going to have volume. And his game log is much better than his price indicates. And the reason for that is because the way Texas's defense played against Alabama was really, really good. You know, if you did not know, Gary Patterson, former TCU head coach, pioneer of the 4-2-5 defense, is now – with Texas as I don't think he is the defensive coordinator, but I think he's a quote unquote advisor. So he's helping a lot with the defense over there. And it showed in week two as Texas was able to really stifle Alabama for most of the game. So I don't think that um, they're going to stifle Texas San Antonio the whole game like that. Like this isn't going to be a shutout. So if you're looking at the price and you know, you got the volume, I definitely think that he's going to be able to get at least one or two touchdowns, even if it comes in garbage time. So I do think Frank Harris is a legitimate value play this week. All right, so those are pretty much the only quarterbacks that I would consider in this night slate. Let's go ahead and flip it on over to the ground and talk about some running backs. The running back position this week, in my opinion, is dominated by two names who give you both elite-level floor and elite-level ceiling, and that is Travion Henderson of Ohio State and B. John Robinson of Texas. Travion Henderson, quite frankly, I think the Notre Dame game was an aberration, like I think the fact that that is on his game log is lowering his price. He's going to see at least 20-plus carries. He's going to run for at least 100 yards, especially against Toledo. So I think that you know that floor that he has, because he's going to see a huge workload and he's not up against a good defense, I think that nobody else on the slate has that floor in terms of a running back or a wide receiver. Bijan Robinson 
is also a guy with a very high floor and a very high ceiling. So I think the Bama game actually represents Bijan Robinson's floor. His team scored one touchdown. They were playing with a backup quarterback, and Alabama was loading the box the entire second half. And Bijan Robinson still came away with 20 points. And that's because he is an elite red zone rusher. He's going to get in the end zone when he can. He scored Texas's only touchdown last week. And he's also used in the passing game. So in PPR formats like DraftKings, you're going to get a lot of points by him receiving the football. He's used on all three downs. And quite frankly, I'm amazed that his price is this low. I'm going to play him while his price is low where it's at before it rises up after he scores 40 points this week. Next up is Devin A. Chain of Texas A&M. Look, Devin A. Chain, you know, he has a lot of upside. He's one of the fastest players in college football, but he's super dependent on long runs for touchdowns and kickoff returns for touchdowns. Like, he's not just a grinded out between the tackles, 20 carry plus type of guy. He's the type of guy that he's going to have nine carries for about 17 yards and then one carry for about 74. And all of a sudden, it's going to look like he has 10 carries for 90 yards, which is not really the case. So, you know, if you're playing a GPP tournament, A-Chain has a lot of upside because he can break off those long runs, but he's not going to be a guy that provides you a lot of safety at the price tag that he's at. For Michigan State, a team that still loves to run the football, Jalen Berger has taken hold of that backfield. He is used as the workhorse, and he's getting over 20 carries a game, which is what we'd like to see for the running back position in college football. And to me, he's worth a look this week as they play Washington. Um, Washington's defense hasn't really been tested by another Power 5 opponent yet, but I think that Berger is able to have success on the ground, and he is going to be used in the passing game if Michigan State falls behind in this one. An injury that you need to keep an eye on is Rodney Hammond Jr. of Pitt. Um, So make sure you're keeping an eye on that injury as the week goes by, because if he is out, which he was last week, Israel Abanaconda is a must-start. He was the backup running back for Pitt that started last week, and he had 27 PPR points against Tennessee. And like I said, 27 PPR points is a lot at that price tag. He's going to pay off his price tag. If Hammond misses the game, Abanaconda is a guy that should be in your lineups. Now, Texas Tech does play two running backs, Taj Brooks and Sir Roderick Thompson. I think that Taj Brooks is the one that you want. You know, Texas Tech is not a big run team period like they're not just going to sit there and grind it out between the tackles and so neither of these guys are going to get a whole lot of carries so what you want to look for is guys that are going to get targets in the pass game when you play a texas tech or run mississippi state running back you know guys that run the air raid system you want running backs that that catch the football so i think taj brooks is the guy that will be playing on the passing downs and he is the texas tech running back that you will want the NC State defense is pretty good. So what I anticipate to happen is, you know, backup quarterback, better defense than he saw last week. This could lead itself to a lot of checkdowns that will see Taj Brooks getting a lot of PPR points this week for Texas Tech. Now, the NC State backfield is interesting because Jordan Houston seems to be priced as if he is like the guy. But yet Demi Sumo Karngbai, I hope I said that correctly, has deceptively led NC State in rushing yards both weeks. You know, the carry split is about 60-40, Houston to Sumo Karnby, but Sumo Karnby has been the more effective, I'm just going to call him Demi. Demi has been the more effective runner through two games for NC State, and so I think that Demi at his price tag is a really good option. I think that this Texas Tech defense is not that great. So, you know, both running backs will have a chance to score some points, but I like Demi to score some points just because, you know, he has been the more effective back through two weeks. All right. 
So that pretty much covers it with the running back position for Saturday night. Let's flip on over to wide receivers. So today I'm going to preview the wide receiver group a little bit differently. Uh, since there's less games on this slate, I think it'll be easy to kind of break down the receiving course team by team as opposed to looking at the prices and trying to find guys. And this way we'll get to talk about guys that are used in potential stacks or even triple stacks or double stacks. So um, that's how we're going to do it this week on this episode. If the format works, I might keep it, but we'll just see how it goes because I kind of like how I did the research this way. So let's start off talking with SMU with Rashi Rice, the top price receiver on the board in this slate. And he is an absolute stud and he is a must start if you are stacking the SMU offense and if you're playing Tanner Mordecai. Now, if you do want to triple stack SMU, Jordan Curley will have to be the guy unless we can get an update on the health of Jake Bailey. So Jake Bailey was a very trendy pick in week one because he was the guy that, you know, all the beat reporters were hyping up in the preseason. He was starting and no one really knew it when they priced DraftKings and FanDuel. He was super low priced. He was super high owned and he didn't even play uh, because there was an unknown injury that we didn't really know about. A uh, group of five teams are generally really hard to find injury updates for. So nobody knew that Jake Bailey was hurt. A lot of people played him and a lot of people got burned. Um, and now he's priced as if he is the starter, which he is, but we don't really have an injury update yet. So if you can get an injury update on Jake Bailey and know whether or not you can play Jake Bailey or Jordan Curley, like, please do that. Like the SMU offense is going to put up a lot of points and it's going to be one of those three guys at receiver, Rice, Curley, or Bailey, that you're going to want to play and you're going to want to stack with Tanner Mordecai. Now, if you're stacking Maryland, the opposite side of that game, you know, the same game that has the 73.5 over under, Rakeem Jarrett is the big play, boom, or bust guy. Now, there's two other guys that are priced way further down the board that I really like this week. First one is Jayshon Jones, who appears to be turning into the favorite target, and he is getting a lot of targets for that Maryland offense. Second is Florida transfer Jacob Copeland. He's very interesting at his price. You know, he's always talented at Florida, but he never really could find a quarterback that consistently get him the football. And last week, in the blowout win they had against Charlotte, you know, poor one out for Charlotte. That's my school. We're, we're down bad right now, y'all. But anyway, against Charlotte last week, Jacob Clopin scored twice. Now, it would be really easy to dismiss that as, oh, it was a blowout. It came with the second string, or it came with you know, it's a game that was totally out of hand. Not really, because Jacob Copeland's two touchdowns against Charlotte were Maryland's first two touchdowns, meaning he was running with the starters, and early in the game, they were looking to get him the football. At that price tag, I think Jacob Copeland is an elite play this week because he is the one that is trending upward in that receiving core. So for the Maryland guys, Jarrett's the big play guy. Jay Sean Jones is the guy that's probably going to see the most targets, but I think in terms of a point-per-dollar perspective, Jacob Copeland is the guy that I want to get in my lineups. Now for the Ohio State receivers, I think it's actually very straightforward this week. you got to have an update on Jackson Smith and Jigba before you play any of them. Because if Smith and Jigba plays, obviously he's the guy you want in your lineup. If he doesn't play, then Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka become incredibly valuable and are arguably underpriced where they're at right now. But, like I said, you got to know whether or not Jackson Smith and Jigba plays. If Smith and Jigba plays, I think that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Agbuka will see very low ownership, so they become kind of really good sneaky tournament plays because if Smith and Jigba re-aggravates the injury or maybe they play it very safe with him, well, guess what? Those two guys are going to be back in that same role, and now people aren't playing them as if they're in that role. 
So that's the story on Ohio State this week. I think that that offense is going to put up a lot of points, but those three guys are the guys that I would want to concentrate my Ohio State exposure to is those three receivers, Smith and Jigba, Harrison, and Egbuka. Now on the other side of that game, Toledo. The game script is going to have Toledo throwing the football. They're going to be trailing like this entire game because Ohio State's offense is overwhelming. That bodes well for Toledo's receivers. Now, there's two of them that I would consider playing. The first one is Jerwan Newton, who is the team's leader in receiving yards so far this season. And there's also Demir Blankumsey, who is the team's leader in targets so far this season. Both of them are good options if you need to save some cost, but I would kind of stick with just those two Toledo receivers. Those are really the only two that have a track record of actually having success so far this season. Now, the Texas receivers. They're very conflicting to me because Xavier Worthy is an NFL talent. Like He's incredibly fast, he's incredibly athletic, and he has really, really good ball skills. Like he's one of the best receivers in college football, in my opinion. And he has so much upside because he can get you 13 points on one play if he catches a 60-yard touchdown. But last week when Hudson Card was in the game, Jordan Whittington was clearly the favorite target. Like the ball was going to Jordan Whittington a lot. Now it was a lot of short and intermediate passes that were not as lucrative as, you know, the balls that went to Worthy. But Whittington was clearly the comfort zone of Hudson Card. So I think Worthy has the upside. Whittington has the safety. I think they're both good plays this week. Like I said, I'm going to be very intrigued in playing Hudson Card at his salary, especially given the Texas San Antonio's defensive situation. So I think that both of those guys are really good options this week. And I also like Jatavian Sanders for Texas. You know, he's a tight end that was not known to be the starter coming into the season, had a really big game against Louisiana Monroe, was a little quieter against Alabama, but they still threw him the ball three times, which means that he was a part of the game plan and he is going to continue to see looks in that lineup. I always trend to think that backup quarterbacks playing is good for tight ends because they're generally throwing the ball downfield less, and so those short and intermediate routes by tight ends get a little bit more value when backup quarterbacks are in the game. Now, let's talk about Texas San Antonio. So Texas San Antonio might be the easiest team to stack in all of college football. Now, quick side note on that. So a little story, a little backstory on this one. So last week... In one of my Twitter rundowns, which I do it before every college football slate outlining my favorite plays, um, pretty much there was a guy on Twitter that took exception to me saying that Bama's big three was a high risk against Texas. And obviously it was not because I thought that Bama was going to get shut out, right? Like I thought Bama's big three was high risk because we had no clue where the targets were going to go where the touchdowns were going to go, and who Bryce Young's favorite options were in that receiving core. And we didn't know how the carries were going to split up in the backfield because we hadn't seen Bama play a full close game where we know how those guys are going to get used. And so I ended up being two out of thirds correct because Bryce Young, if you played him, he really killed you last week. Jameer Gibbs was incredible. Like, he's clearly the guy you want to put in your lineup out of any skill position player on Bama. You know, McClellan had the one long run, which, you know, really saved his day. But the Bama receivers, I was absolutely right on. If you played any of the Bama receivers, they really killed you because not only did they not get a whole lot of targets, but they didn't score a touchdown and they didn't really have a whole lot of success through the air. All success Bama had through the air was with Jameer Gibbs. So that is what makes somebody high risk is if you don't know what the workload, what the target share or the carry share is coming their way. Now, Texas San Antonio, here's why I tell that story. 
Texas San Antonio is the absolute polar opposite of that. Texas San Antonio pretty much exclusively plays three wide receivers, and they throw almost exclusively to those three wide receivers, Zachary Franklin, Joshua Cephas, and DeCorian Clark. If you look at Texas San Antonio's game logs and their box scores, those guys are on the field, and they're the ones getting the targets. So I think if you're playing the Texas San Antonio quarterback, then you might want to look at at least one of those three guys to stack with. I think in a tournament, I think those guys are going to have value because I think they're going to go low-owned, But and we know that they're going to get targets just between those three guys. All right, now the last receiver situation that I do want to talk about is the University of Miami uh, because Xavier Restrepo is out for this game. So Miami has not played a close game to this point in the season, so we don't really know a whole lot about that offense and what the usage is going to be. About the one thing that we were certain on was that Xavier Estrepo was the number one wide receiver because he had been through two games. So if you want to take a dart throw on any of the Miami receivers in terms of playing them, they're going to provide great sour relief, and one of them, at least one of them, is going to see a boost because Xavier Estrepo is out for this game. Now, your guess is as good as mine on which one of them it is. Like I said, I try to do as much research as I can. I try to be very informed, but Miami's usage and targets, and it's just very hard to tell what they're going to do in an actual close game because of the two games they've played so far. They're very hard to predict. So if you want to take a shot with one of the Miami receivers, I totally get it. The last receiver situation I do want to talk about is the NC State situation. So NC State has two receivers that almost run like number ones, and that is Devin Carter and Thayer Thomas. They're both pretty good receivers, honestly, but you never know which one of them is going to have a big game. Pretty much those two guys are the only two I would consider playing for NC State, but like I don't know. I just don't know which one it's going to be. They're priced very similar too. So I think if you're making multiple lineups and you like the NC State offense, which, you know, they're playing Texas Tech, it's not a bad bet. If you like the NC State offense, you maybe you can make one lineup with Carter, one lineup with Thomas. I don't know. But I do like the NC State receivers for those two guys. Those two guys are where the targets are going to be concentrated. And like I said, you just don't know which one's going to break out. That's part of the fun of college football, though, is you have a lot of situations where it's not as known as the NFL, and you never know who's going to break out. And sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong. That's just how it goes sometimes. All right, so that was the preview of the wide receiver position. That was the preview for the night slate of week three college football. I hope y'all liked the way of doing the receivers, how I kind of did team by team instead of price. I think it made a little bit more sense. And also it is robust. So that way, if you were playing on FanDuel or DraftKings, I'm getting names out that are on both of those sites and the order isn't determined by one of those sites. So I hope you guys like that. Um, that may be how I do it in the future. I kind of liked it. But anyway, hopefully those suggestions can help you win some money on college football DFS this week. Thank you guys for listening. And if you've been listening all week, thank you for listening all week. Um, please subscribe and review the podcast and rate the podcast. Really helps me out. Um, but like I said, hopefully that'll help you guys win some money this week. That's the whole point of doing this. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next week.